This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Bears Illustrated Podcast, presented by BearsIllustrated.com, your home for Baylor athletics and recruiting on 24-7 sports. I'm Pranay Malampati, alongside Andrew Miner. We've had a we've had we've had quite a weekend of Baylor athletics, four four games in total, two for the men's basketball team. Obviously, we're still in pick your adjective, sadness, shock, dismay about the Baylor TCU football game on Saturday when Baylor fell in heartbreaking fashion. Um, and we've got some. We've we've seen some interesting things from both of the basketball teams, so we're gonna cover all of that on this podcast. But let's Good start. Let's start with the big game of the weekend: Baylor versus TCU. Fox Big Noon kickoff was in town. A rivalry game. TCU comes in undefeated, number four in the country. Baylor came into the game at six and four. Um, a disappointing season, but a chance to do something that would rectify a lot of what has happened in beating its rival and handing it, handing TCU its first loss of the season. It would have salvaged it. It would have salvaged the whole season. I think if Baylor won per day, the season would have just been viewed as a success for, for all times. Not, not the way anybody wanted it to go, but like people would look upon it with fond memories. Absolutely. And it started out great. Baylor, First drive of the game, 11 plays, 76 yards, almost six minutes, scores a touchdown. Just ran right all over them, right down the field. I was so first drive of the game today, I was actually on the field um, because I was I was covering the line. I kind of ran with the line like de facto after uh, them. I was just on the on the field like for the introductions. I was basically part of the line, which is what I always love. And I stayed on the field for the first drive uh, just because I kind of got like caught in there. Um, and, um, you know, key, uh, key fourth down conversion that, that they went for right away. They had a fourth and one of the TCU, uh, 16, they got Dylan Doyle to, uh, pick up the first down, uh, and then they scored the touchdown. They ran basically most of those, um, uh, basically the whole, the whole drive. They had like two, two, two passes, two pass attempts on that drive. The, the other nine were, were rushes. So they, they looked dominant right from the get-go, and that's just got to be the game plan, the preparation the week before, right, um, of, hey, these are these are our scripted 10 plays that we're going to start with, and this is what we're going to do. Uh, get up 7 nothing, then force a TCU three and out punt. We can kind of skip that one. Uh, and then Baylor goes on an eight-play drive and misses a field goal. This – is kind of where we get into the beginning of a ton of turning point momentum changing plays 
what what did you see, Pernay, on this third on on this uh, third drive of the game, second for the Bears? Yeah, I I kind of thought that Baylor got away from the run game a little bit on that on that drive. Like not totally. Obviously, they still they started out running the ball. They ran it four times on that drive, but I think that they started to try to get Blake Chapin more involved in the game. And it worked a little bit, but he missed a touchdown on the drive, if you remember that. That was just a clear underthrow, right? Wasn't it? Just very yeah. it, it felt that way live in the press box. Yeah, it seemed like a, a clear underthrow as well on watching on TV. But And you know what I was hoping Monterey Baldwin would have done on that um, – third down it was third and 15 right and I was wishing that he just went back to the ball that was underthrown and just you know tried to jump through the TCU defender because that would have drawn a pass interference penalty in my would in my estimation and maybe maybe so um I'm trying to think of exactly how it looked yeah, I, I think he could have drawn a pass interference. And I bring that up because, it, you know, a few drives later, we'll, we'll get to a pass interference call that I'm sure a lot of people are unhappy about. But even before that third down play, um, Baylor had a crucial penalty false start. Yeah. Uh, which was just like, you know, just really kind of didn't kill the drive, but it did, you know, de- definitely became a factor because that, that, you know, those five yards, if, if if Baylor had him back, the field goal probably goes through by a, by John Myers if it's a 41-yard field goal instead of a 46-yard field goal. That's true. Yeah, no, that's, that's totally true. And if they – on a third and 15, if instead of trying to get, go for the first – I guess, like, it's good to be bold when you're playing – Maybe the play call changes. I, I totally see that point maybe the play call changes and then you have two downs to pick up 10, but I, I like that play call. It just, I felt like yeah. it was run by Blake. Well, well sure. it was, that, it was definitely Blake Shapin's fault. Um, I mean, obviously these things are much easier to say in hindsight, but obviously like, like if Blake Shapin completes the pass, we're not talking about, Oh, if they ran the ball, it would have been an easier field goal. Sure. But if they did run the ball, it would have been an easier field goal likely. And, and Mayors probably hits it. Um, yeah. but so, so Baylor doesn't score on that drive, which looked very promising. And then TCU comes back and scores a touchdown to tie the game at seven, seven in what was a momentum change in a couple of drives right there. 14 point swing. Max Duggan has a big pass for 39 yards and, and they ultimately get a score, right? Tied, tied game, uh, but Baylor comes right back and gets a touchdown on the next drive, which I thought was just a huge – that was something they didn't do against Kansas State. And that's when I first thought that this game might be – on the very first drive of the game, converting that touchdown. But then when they responded to the adversity of the false start, underthrown TD ball, and then missed field goal, like three plays back to back to back, and then TCU takes the ball and goes right down the field and scores a touchdown to tie it, uh, to respond to that with a touchdown – on the next drive, on the very next drive, I, I thought that that obviously boded bode well for uh, um, for for Baylor. And again, they just they ran the ball, and and I'll get you know I think we'll get to this, uh, but they ran the ball on, on that drive, 
Um, you know, a lot. Blake Shaven had a huge pass to Josh Cameron, 42-yard completion uh, on third and 12, uh, where yeah. he was wide open on the sideline. So that was a huge third down con- conversion. And then they converted another huge third down um, with Quaylen Jones later that where he took it all the way to, like, the two-yard line. Yeah, they started out passing the ball a bit on that drive, and it worked. Obviously, a couple a couple big catches by Josh Cameron. The one you mentioned, forty two yards, followed up by another solid catch. And then they they ran the ball ran the ball down TCU's throat for the rest of the drive. Scored another touchdown, um, but TCU answered right back and had another touchdown there. Um, on yeah, a, what, what, what starters? What's up? Yeah, yeah the 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 next the next drive, very next drive, TCU basically gets a big play right off the bat, right? Yeah, Tay Barber, Tay Barber. Yeah, that, I remember that play. I remember uh, how I felt in that moment. How do you feel in that moment? <laughs> in that moment, I was like, "All right, like TCU is at their own ten. Baylor's up a touchdown. If we can just get a quick three and out right here." Baylor's got a chance to get some good field position, take a two-score lead, and then immediately just a a huge play by Tay Barber, who is incredibly fast, by the way. Takes yeah, a, yeah. I mean, you're so seconds. you're so right. You're so right on all of it. Just it, a little demoralizing. Seventy-seven yard uh, catch and run, and yeah, they're at their they're at their own ten, and they couldn't, you know, and, and we couldn't, you know, get just a a stop to come, kind of build on the momentum that we just created. Um, and then exactly. they scored a couple plays later. Yeah, it was, but, that, that was a tough pill to swallow right there. Cause it seemed so, like Baylor had taken the momentum back. Yeah. And, and Baylor actually almost got a third down stop right on um, it was third and three at the Baylor six and Max Duggan throws it, you know, kind of like a corner, ish fade to his uh to his receiver and just clearly throws it out of bounds yeah and they call pass interference on yeah. on mark milton which just was a terrible terrible call i mean there's just no other way around it i i don't know if you know pranay but it is like uncatchable is that like no longer a rule because i don't I, no, 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 no no i was i was listening to the commentators and okay. every single one of them including um the ref commentator i think it's mike Pereira on fox i forget i forget if i'm right I think that, yeah that's right i think yeah including him we're saying that that should not have been a pass interference because the ball was clearly uncatchable but on top of that mike Pereira said that he didn't think it was pass interference to to begin with. To begin like, with, yeah. So that was a an obviously a, a a huge play call, four point swing on that pass interference. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the what the refs were thinking when they did that. I mean, like that is like opening a the the old wound like i I just feel so much hurt right now just like hearing that the commentators (laughs) and and the ref you know mike Pereira just saying like yeah that's not a penalty it's like clear that you know past interference is subjective anyway and i get that but when the ball is five yards out of bounds and clearly not catchable i don't understand how a flag's thrown there yeah from inside the stadium was it obvious too 
Yeah, I I think it was obvious to everybody. Even some of the TCU writer beat writers um, uh-huh. in the press box were like, "Yeah, that probably you know that wasn't pass interference, but that's that's the makeup for you know 2014 61 58 no call." <laughs> you know, um, that's funny. I think it was more at least of a... those balls. At least those balls were catchable. You know, <laughs> that, yeah. that was in the field of play at, at the very least. You know, I think it was more of a we're scared of Sonny Dykes because he's been getting on us all game. And I guess that was still kind of early in the game, but like Sunny Dykes was just all over the rest the entire game. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, well, it, it worked and they got that one. And that was a huge, like you said, four, four point swing because gosh, if Baylor holds to a field goal, um, that, that could have been big. And, and by the end of the game, they probably would have needed a, uh, a, a touchdown. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Baylor ants like looked like they were going to answer right back. They had another long drive, eleven plays. They get to a third and sixteen after a sack and a short completion, and Blake Shapin throws a dart to Hal Presley for fifteen yards. Oh, it was a great, was a great throw. Let's let's compliment that. thirty six. That was a very good throw. Yeah. Um. And then they just couldn't convert. TCU just kind of broke through Baylor's offensive line and took down Squirrel Williams for a loss and got TCU the ball back. Yeah, let me ask you a couple questions on this drive. This drive, two fourth and ones where Baylor goes for it. They obviously converted one of two. I think the the second one was just a great defensive play by TCU, honestly. Um, yeah, exactly. Are, are you um, – are you, you know, giving the thumbs up of, you know, that was good, good decisions to go for both of those? Well, the thing is, I don't know because, well, okay, look, the fourth and one at TCU's 36 that Baylor ultimately got stopped on, I think that was a good decision. I don't think, I think that was a no-brainer decision. But the first fourth and one, which they did convert, it was at Baylor's 33, and this was a, a tight ball game. It was a tied ball game. Right, right. If they don't get that, TCU – who had who just scored a touchdown gets the ball and only has to go 30 yards for a touch for another touchdown that was very gutsy i would not have called i would not have gone for it there but they did they did they did bring in dylan doyle and i guess they had a play set up specifically for him um but that was actually that was actually a tough pass to doyle yeah and that was actually kind of that was a tough catch for a linebacker to make yes Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I was I was very nervous. That ball, the commentator himself said it. He was like, Dylan Doyle must have thought that ball was in the air for a long time. Yeah. Um, but it, big, big conversions. I, it was gutsy, but in a game like that, you kind of have to go for those fourth downs. And when it's fourth and one and you have those p- packages, I like that. Now, here's the other thing that I think is very important that has to get – you know, that cannot be overlooked in a, in a game that turned out like it did. Um, they're, they're driving. So after they convert that um, fourth and one, they convert a, a third and four. Uh, wow. Can't just talk a third and four. Right. And they're just running it down. Um, they're just running it down TCU's throat. Right. And then they go at the TCU 45 after converting that third and four, so first and ten, they go um, double, <clears throat> double reverse flea flicker back to Blake Shapin, sacked for ten yards. 
sets up second and 20. And that basically killed the drive. And if not for a great throw, they, they, they would have punted it away. Um, but Blake Shapen has a great pass to, to Hal Presley to set up a fourth and one. And then obviously they, just, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't get the first down, but I don't know. You tell me watching, but watching it and because they tried something like this earlier in the game too, that was just st- snuffed out by TCU's defense. Um, it, it seemed to me that the Baylor coaching staff kept trying to insert, like force these trick plays to catch TCU sleeping and TCU was just having none of it. And that killed the drive right there. And that's why they even had to go for it on fourth down, but they were having so much success just running the ball. Anyway, I felt like Sandra Bullock in the, uh, in the blind side. I'm like calling Dave up, like Dave, just run the ball, just run the ball. Like that's how I felt. I feel like they, they felt like they needed to, do something special to beat TCU in this game, which they actually didn't have to do. They, no. they just played their game. They might have. I mean, obviously, it was a very close game regardless. So, I mean, they were in the game. They were right there with TCU on the field. Um, but I think they just, like, especially coming off a blowout loss to Kansas State like they were, I understand why they felt like they had to do something special to beat TCU, who's been very good, very solid all season. They just, I guess, they just were were wrong about that. They could have played their game and yeah, but they didn't. Yeah, my I and I get that, I guess. But my thing is, they did it twice, and I'm I'm blanking on the play. It was earlier in the game, first quarter, I think, um, and it did. It just straight up didn't work, and then they tried to pull it out again. And it, it was a long developing type play and it, it cost them. It cost them dear, dearly. And, um, you know, it probably, you know, takes them from the 45, the TCU 45 all the way back to the Baylor, you know, back to their own territory. Um, you know, a, a well, well, ultimately gets a first down, you know, if you don't lose all that yardage in the first place type thing. Yeah, I mean, like, we don't know if they would have changed the play call if it had been a shorter third down. But that that play was like that that play call was definitely mind boggling because yeah. it 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 was, I mean, it wasn't a very good play call. Honestly, at the end of the day, if they're going if they're going to do a trick play, that wasn't the trick play to do. That wasn't a trick play to do, and and I I just felt on that drive, you know, I I felt like we were basically well positioned to get at least into field goal range and to attempt a field goal um the way we were moving the ball and then of course it didn't happen so uh, i think they were for it on fourth and one and it credit tcu that was a great play by their defense it just didn't uh i feel i feel like it didn't have to get to that point (laughs) It, it it probably didn't have to but again i just think they felt like they needed they needed to get touchdowns and field goals wouldn't be enough so I yeah. think that's part of it. Just like on the very next Baylor drive after forcing a quick punt by TCU, Baylor, yeah. to end the first half pretty much, drives it all the way down to within the red zone, and then Blake Shapin throws an interception in, in the end zone on a, a pass that was probably too difficult for him to try to make at – 11 seconds point. left. Yeah, exactly. Like – 
that I think that just goes back to them not being comfortable scoring touchdowns and beating TCU. I mean, you, scoring scoring field goals and beating TCU. I, I think they felt like they had to score touchdowns. Uh, I I disagree with with that I think they you had to take a shot at the end zone there and if you didn't get in the end zone then you take the three points to end the half and you go up 17 14 yeah uh, yeah but but that was to me that was a bad play call I put that more on the coaches than than Blake Shapin um maybe yeah, but I think, I think under under through that but he was going from they were on the left hash mark and they were running that fade you know that fade post route with a five eight receiver and Baldwin to the right post right and yeah he didn't throw it far enough but that's a long that's a long throw that's a lot of ground for the ball to to travel and you know to me that wasn't the play call to call there like do a slant do that's fair it is bootleg roll out get him on the move something but don't do that well, I, I do think that we've seen that Blake Shapin has the arm strength to make that throw. And usually that's not the throw where you get intercepted. Like if he just threw the ball high and over both of them, it's either Baldwin makes a really great catch or, or no one catches it. Like if he if he throws it how he's supposed to throw it, I don't I think a pick is more likely in a slant type scenario. He just obviously didn't make a good throw. Yeah, I could see that. You throw it in the middle. Um, you know, there's traffic. It gets tipped and knocked up in the air or something like that. But uh, to, to me, it's all about, you know, how many times have you hear coaches say, like, put your players in the best position to win and be successful? To me, that was not the best um, way to make Baylor, you know, that was not putting Baylor in a, in a position to be successful at the end of the half there. And uh, and it cost him. I just don't put as much of that on Blake Shapin as, as I think everybody else is. I'm more concerned about the, the underthrown ball on the second drive of the game and then um, the the last Baylor offensive play of the, of the game, which we'll get to. Um, Fair enough. But but what about coming out after halftime? Bale, uh, TCU gets the ball after halftime. They drive again into inside Baylor territory, um, and Baylor again forces a forces a punt, <clears throat> um, and then and then Baylor goes three and out. <clears throat> so a, a negative you know a negative drive and gives TCU back a good good field position. Um, so punt TCU, punt Baylor. Um, big personal foul penalty that really hampered TCU's field position, uh, and then and then Baylor goes ahead and gets a a big interception by Devin Neal um, at at the ten yard line. Uh, that's yeah. that's kind of how the beginning of the half goes. What what was your you know any anything add there? It, it seemed to me that it was just very just like status quo. You know, it's fourteen fourteen. It was very status quo, and TCU had a slight field position edge. Yeah, it was it was uh pretty pretty normal, I guess. Two drives, I think. Baylor's pass defense was doing better. Obviously, they got the interception, but they had another another almost interception. I think on the first drive out of halftime, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah, on the um, third and eight. Yep. 
but then Baylor has a couple three and outs, and then eventually TCU gets the ball with great field position. Yeah, mid midfield basically. Midfield. The, inter- and... the TCU interception was at the ten at the Baylor ten yard line, so uh, yeah, it was it was just like a big punt. You know, mm-hmm. Baylor couldn't get a first down. How many times have we set, are we going to say that in the second half? They couldn't get a first down to at least move the sticks and at least, you know, maybe flip the field uh, and, you know, give it back to TCU at, at midfield, short field. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely happened more than once, more than on one or two occasions. In the second yeah. Half. Yeah. Uh, complete. So complete but, yeah. defensive breakdown too on the, on the short field drive. Yeah, um, but they do miss the miss the extra point, and then Baylor answers with a a strong touchdown drive of its own and takes the lead on the next on the very next drive. Um, that was one of those run it down your throat drives where Baylor chewed up some clock oh. and just just ran it all the way into the end zone. Yeah, nearly six minutes again, and they only passed one uh, twice. So they they bookended that drive with passes to Kelsey Johnson. Yeah. Um. And and otherwise, who by the way had a really great block on, I think the one of those edge runs by I think the edge run by Craig Williams. He had a great block. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um. He did, and that. So you, you mentioned it. The miss extra point. He. He rocketed that that kick right off the out. It was so loud in the stadium, and you can just feel like, oh, that's gonna play a huge role in the game um, if Baylor could capitalize on it. Uh, but you, um, but of course we we didn't know, you know, and and it did just not in Baylor's favor. Um, this this drive of the 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 next touchdown drive again. I'll say it again. Man, responding to some tough adversity, right? The interception doesn't do anything for them. They give TCU a short field. They completely blow the coverage for an easy touchdown for uh, TCU to take the lead. And they come right back, 10 plays, like six minutes, 70-plus yards. And on third um, and third and seven at the 12, the TCU 12-yard line, Blake Shapin finds a perfect – like throws a perfect dime, perfect strike. Uh, to Johnson in the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, and then, of course, they make the extra point to go up one. And, I mean, gosh, what a what a throw. Like, what a touchdown pass. Um, because because that, in that position, that's where you started thinking, yeah, field goals are not – we're only – you know, field goal – a field goal might help, but – it doesn't feel like a field goal will help too much in this situation. Like it felt like they had to score a touchdown there. Yeah. It's, at that point, it did feel like they had to score a touchdown and they did. They, they scored a touchdown. They got another stop. Um, and I mean, on the punt, Monterey Baldwin muffs it. Oh, <laughs> that was scary. <laughs> how, what, how, I want to hear um, how the stadium sounded when that happened. It was just, everybody was like, held their collective breath and then exhaled um, all at once. So fortunately it was a pretty quick, right. It was, it was a pretty quick recovery on Baldwin's part. So yeah, like it wasn't too, too scary. Like everybody knew pretty quickly, like, okay, we're, we're good. You know? Um, 
and it was a great, you know, it was a great way to, to for like the defense stepped up and, and forced, uh, forced the punt. Fortunately, they don't, bears don't turn it over. And then, um, you know, wow. Just, just when you think Baylor's going backwards and, you know, nothing's going to, you know, this is still going to be a neck and neck, uh, game game in terms of points um shaping you know hits a third and 11 strike to baldwin racing down 74 yards and that just seemed like you know he in just the stadium, took off stadium was just going nuts i, I mean like it, was, it was a great crowd and you know the belief was real at that point yeah yeah i bet because that was that was a huge play third and 11 in at at Baylor's own fifteen, yeah. And Monterey Baldwin takes off. He caught that like eight yards past the line of scrimmage and just absolutely torched TCU's secondary. Yeah, just nobody nobody was there, you know. Uh, and it took a while for you know for Someone them to, to catch him, yeah, yeah, to catch up. So and then Reese finished the job with a couple runs, got a touchdown, twenty eight twenty. Um, still one score game, but then would you have gone for two there? No, no, no. But if 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 you miss, then it's a seven point game. You got you got to just kick the extra point. Um, plus there's a lot of time left. You know, there's there's almost ten minutes left in the game, so you know you're gonna have another possession at least. You know, um, that that thought honestly never even crossed my mind. And even in hindsight, it's I don't even think uh I don't even think in hindsight like I would you know, go for it, choose to go for it. I mean in hindsight I would just you know, they end up losing and couldn't convert. But no, I, I agree. Change, I would change like fifteen other things in hindsight before I change that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Like Blake Ship and not throwing the ball to Oh my god Sims. Uh, daggers, just daggers in my heart. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, TC, I mean, and then Baylor, Baylor goes and forces a three and out, um, you know, immediately after that touchdown. So back, you know, back-to-back touchdown drives, force a three and out and Baylor gets pretty decent field position at their own 33. And then basically they, they can't, they can't find a way to, uh, to again, move, move the sticks. Um, and then TCU goes 90, 90 yards in 11 plays, chewing up five minutes of clock and scores a touchdown. And, I mean, just that drive. I mean, what, what were you thinking on that drive? Like, what were you thinking just overall? Uh, I'll tell you what I was thinking, but what, what well, were I was, you? Well, I was thinking, please stop them. Please stop them. Please stop <laughs> Max Duggan yeah. and this run game. And they they weren't able to stop Max Duggan, who looked really good on that drive. But they did – well, I guess they didn't really force it, but TC wasn't able to get the two-point conversion. Yeah, that was drop. self-inflicted. I, feel, I felt like there were a lot of uh, self-inflicted drops and misthrows by Duggan where that got, de- uh, that got Baylor's defense off the field, but it wasn't really – Baylor that like you know quote unquote made the play um and man yeah you you would think that our defense you would have loved for them to make a stop um you know seeing that they got it at their own 10 yard line 
And, and I was, I was thinking, I was like, well, if they're going to score a touchdown, you'll at least have the opportunity to stop the two point conversion. And they have the ball with six thirty eight left in the game down one score. But if they're going to score a touchdown, make them use as much clock as possible. Right. Um, So after the TCU touchdown and missed two-point conversion, we've got two drives left in the game, one for Baylor, one for TCU. Yep, yeah. Um, just just over two minutes left in the game. Baylor gets the ball back and has a chance to run out the clock. Yeah, two, 207 left in the game, level set. It's 28-26 Baylor. Um, I, I said it in the press box and I texted one of my best friends, uh, who's also a Baylor alum. It was like, if we go three and out and punt it back and they use all their timeouts here where we're going to, we're going to lose, they're probably going to drive and kick a field goal and win the game. Um, that's just, I was like, you have to win the game right here. And so let's go through. It was a three and out for Baylor that took 33 seconds. Let's go through the plays. Uh, maybe you can help me um, understand what we're looking at here uh, because I was far up in the in the sky. But they go two-yard run to Craig Williams <clears throat> on, on the first down play. So second and eight is then Claywin Jones gets a loss of two yards. So – Yeah, I don't, exa- I don't exactly – like what happened? I don't exactly remember what happened on that second down, but I think if I remember correctly, I think it was just that TCU's defensive line broke through. I think it was a normal inside run, but don't quote me on that. Sure. Um, and then yeah, so the third and ten, and well, well, before before we go there, because I know this is the obvious play of the game. Um, do you feel like we ran it straight into the, you know, the teeth of the TCU defense and they knew we were going to run and they just sold out to stop it. <clears throat> and we've been running all over them all game, of course, but well, don't you think we should have done like a little sweep or, or, a, you know, one of the, the pitch plays that we like to run instead of just running it like <laughs> straight into the TCU defense? Um, well, given the success or lack thereof of, that we've had on pitch plays in big moments this season. I don't know. We, we've I'm had sure. good success on pitch plays too, though. And we, we've, we've had, some, had some, but it's it's been, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But, like, I'm not against just running it up the middle. and Because, like, if you pitch it, there's, like, a higher chance that you fumble or something bad happens. I sure. I'm okay with just running it up the middle, honestly. You're okay with what we did? I'm okay with what we did, yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. Fair enough. That that that's fair. All right. Take it away. Third and ten. Yeah, what I'm what I'm not happy with is the play on third and ten or the execution on third and ten when Blake Shapin has the ball, he's kind of running around trying to figure out what to do, and he has Ben Sims open for the first down at the at the first down marker. And he doesn't see him and takes it himself and gets eight yards. 
stops short of the first down marker and Baylor has to punt it away as TCU uses all their timeouts and has a minute 30 to win the game. And, and that's where the that's where the two-yard loss just kills us. Yeah. Because if we don't lose those yards, just like we don't if we don't lose those yards on the trick play in the first half, then you know, we're not facing a fourth down in the first half, and we're not facing a fourth down um, here in the second half, like, right? Like, they move the sticks, or maybe it's, you know, fourth and inches, right? Like, um, you know, maybe, maybe yeah. he's just short, but maybe maybe on fourth and inches, we're like, yeah, screw this, we're going for it. But a fourth and a long, I think it was a fourth and a long, too. I don't think he got quite eight yards. <clears throat> um, but I think they would probably have gone for it if it was, like, fourth and inches. Honestly, uh, but fourth and three or fourth and two, yeah, you, you just had to ask your defense to basically make a make a play. So they, you know, so we punt it back and they get it. They're on thirty one. Um, and Max Duncan said after the game that they were just doing day one stuff, um, like simple simple plays that they can run with their eyes closed in the final ninety seconds, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I don't know if that's just like – I don't know if I should be like mad about that or it just is what it is. But if they're just running simple plays, then like how is Baylor not able to stop the simple plays is kind of where my mind goes. Well, um, it's, a, it's a simple answer, and the answer is that TCU is a better football team than Baylor right now. Got it. And it, I think they just won in the trenches. They're a little bit faster. They're just better at the fundamentals, which – if you're better at the fundamentals, all you have to do is run simple plays. And I mean, I I was very. I, I mean, I didn't really have time to be dubious about anything at, at the very end of the game, but I was, I questioned, TCU's play call on third and seven. Right before the field goal, when, they they ran the ball, and they had no timeouts left. Yeah, made it very, very hard on themselves to kick the field goal. What were your thoughts on that? Like, what was what was going through your mind, your heart in those last so, moments? I'm like the third down. Yeah. So after the quarterback draw, um, to move the ball from like the Baylor forty to like the Baylor thirty, um, I think everybody was pretty much resigned to the fact that that TCU was going to kick a field goal. And and win the game, and uh-huh. then and then and then it got weird, right? First down run play, and then they spike on second down, so then it's third yeah. down, and there was still a lot of time left. So honestly, I wasn't even really thinking about the time. You know, um, I was just kind of like, wait, what's so what's gonna what's gonna happen? They're gonna keep running it, but I didn't even really put together like piece together that like, hey, third down, like maybe Baylor could get a stop and like you know, force them to, you know, run out the clock or, you know, some, something like that. And then they did it. And then all of a sudden it was just total chaos. Players yeah. running off, players running on. And and honestly, like, at that point, I was thinking, yeah, there's plenty of time for them to execute this and kick the field goal. Like, 17 seconds is a lot of time for them to do that. And they knew exactly that they were going to do that. It wasn't like, uh, um, you know, the, the guy was tackled and then there was like a two second or three second delay and then they sent on the field goal team. Like he was tackled and everybody already knew 
hey, we're running off and they're running on like right away. So there was no wasted time there. So I was like, oh my God, like they're, they're good. So I was basically hoping for a miss first. And then it did cross my mind and nobody's really talked about this that I've seen. It did cross my mind that, hey, gosh, like somebody flinch. If someone flinches on the line and gets and draws a false start penalty, mm-hmm. then it, it would have the game would have been over. It would have been a 10 second runoff and the game would have been over. Um, and that would have been Good point. the wildest ending it, to a college football game of that magnitude that I think we've seen in, you know, a while. Um, obviously, well, I, th- that I think happen. this was a little bit wilder. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Um, no, if they think about it, like if, if somebody flinched right before the snap and then the kicker kicked it and it went through, but then they waved off the field goal to call false start and 10 second runoff, then, uh, I don't know. To me, that would have been hilarious because then you would have had like TCU fans being like, no, like it wasn't a false false start. start. (laughs) Like everybody moved when the ball was hiked, you know, it should have been a field, you know, to have you know, basically that would have been like quote unquote stolen uh, by the refs. The refs would have made the decision there. Um, So I think that would have been kind of crazy, but as it, as it were, it was an unbelievable, like, uh, you know, feat and an unbelievable game that, that we of course were on the the wrong side of. Uh, I um, mean, the stones on that kicker, man, to be able to, come out there he he had missed an extra point that seemingly possibly cost tcu the game lost the game yeah he has to run out there just cannot think about anything he has to sprint out there set up and kick the ball there's no there's no getting ready there's no like thinking about he's gonna kick it he, he just has to run out there and do it and he did it 40 yards straight down the middle puts it oh. through and, T- and TCU wins. You know what one of the worst things about that was, though, when I had the stadium, is What's he's that? kicking the field goal right into the berm area, right? And the berm area was basically all TCU fans. So he kicked it, and you're looking for, like, the react from the press box anyway, you're looking for a reaction yeah. down on the field. And everybody's cheering in the berm, but they're cheering for TCU because they made it because it's TCU fans. Um, so it wasn't even Baylor fans type thing, but, uh, so that was just, it was like, they're cheering and then it was, you know, really bad TCU rushed the field and Baylor players were like slamming their helmets against the turf and 
you know, I was, I was just thinking, I was just like, you know, you have no one to blame but yourselves. And that's why I really wanted to, I thought it was important to go through like kind of drive by drive, start to finish, because there were at least seven different plays that we talked about here that Baylor just didn't make the right either call or the right read or, um, the, you know, the right play, basically. They just didn't make the play in seven different moments. Um, that yeah, but like, I, th- I think we can say the same for – I think if we were on TCU's side, we could we could say the same for them. So, I not, I, I mean – I'm still impressed. I, I, I'm impressed with how Baylor performed in this game. Oh, yeah, let, let's – 100%. I'm very impressed um, because they did basically everything right to pull off. They somehow did everything right to pull off the, off the upset while simultaneously doing everything wrong to blow the game, which is just wild in and of itself. If I'm if I'm on the TCU side, honestly, I'm not just saying this, um, Pradey. There really there weren't too many uh, like plays where I'm like, oh my gosh, if, you know. Like, that was so stupid, and if we could have just done this the right way, then we would have won the game. I think I think the only one that I'm thinking off the top of my head is the missed extra point, um, and then there are a couple – like, right, TCU punted a lot that uh, that day, but the, the interception wasn't that bad, right, because it was at the Baylor 10. Yeah. Um, they, they had some punts right after after long drives that even got into Baylor territory and they were on like kind of some misreads but I feel like you could always say that like oh if you hit your guy here you hit your guy there um right then you know they weren't on the same page for that play I feel like that's across the board um in any game so I'm talking about like how I'm talking about like actual like just easy you could make a different decision and it would have drastically changed the situation if you're Baylor, right? You can make the decision not to run a long, you know, pass play to the opposite corner of the field right before halftime, right? Um, you could make, you know, you clearly, you, you, you didn't have to have the ball start penalty that cost your kick for five yards and a field goal. Um, that's not even thinking about the underthrown ball for a clear touchdown where the wide receiver beat his defender right you didn't have to have the double reverse flea flicker trick play when you could have just kept running normal plays and um you know probably gotten into you know field goal range or maybe even scored a touchdown so to you know and then and then of course the last play of the game like you just don't throw the ball and hit Ben Sims like to me all those were like they're on a different magnitude level of game changing uh, type plays, turning point momentum plays. Um, and I felt Baylor had all of those plays and they, you know, they, they converted about 50% of them and then the other 50% they didn't. And it just turned into, um, you know, an instant classic where they were on the wrong, the wrong side of, uh, but all the, all the momentum changing plays were when, you know, were basically, when Baylor had the ball, essentially. <laughs> Fair enough. Hasn't that been the story of this season? Oh. BYU, yeah. West Virginia, now TCU. Even Oklahoma State, we could point to a couple of those types of plays that drastically changed how that game unwind, unwound. 
So yeah. it's it's Iowa, I, Iowa State as well. We, we of course won that game, but that was yeah, you know, kind of a back and forth affair. Kansas, we almost blew right, and I'll I'll let you go. But I was so confident that Baylor could get one first down to win the game. I was honestly thinking, I was like, here's what's here's what's going to happen. They're going to score. TC's going to score a touchdown. We're going to stop them on the two point conversion. And then we're going to just run the clock for the rest of the game and win. Just like we did at Oklahoma when they ran, they were only up by three, right? And they ran the rest of the clock out four minutes. And just like they did against Kansas when Kansas cut it to five, a five point game. And they basically had like a five, five minute touchdown drive to like put the game on ice. And then, um, and then I think they did it against Iowa state as well. They had a, um, you know, they had a five minute drive to really like make it very difficult for Iowa state to get back in the, um, in the game down two scores. So I was just like, this is what coach Aranda and Baylor that they do. They melt the clock and they're able to close out the game. So it's going to be ugly, obviously, but I think, you know, I have full confidence that they could do it and they, they couldn't get 10 yards. They missed a wide yeah. open receiver. They lost two yards on in that drive in sequence and it cost them. It cost them everything. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I do want to get to basketball um, with enough time, but on the other side, TCU wins this game, obviously in dramatic fashion and now moves to 11 and 0. They will probably stay ranked number four in this week's college football playoff rankings, given that Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan all won. They've got Iowa State, and the and then they've got the Big Twelve championship game against either Kansas State or Texas, um, probably Kansas State, and they have a great. I mean, if they win out, obviously they make the college football playoff, but they have a great shot of even avoiding Georgia because one of it, Ohio State and Michigan is going to lose. So if they win out, they have a they have a shot to get the three seed in the CFP. What do you what are you seeing from TCU and how would you feel about them making the college football playoff? Gosh, the the one silver lining about Saturday was that Tennessee got clobbered by South Carolina, which obviously nobody saw coming. Um and it's a shame that Hendon Hooker tore his ACL late in the fourth quarter when the game was already decided. Uh, but that was just a big – that was the college football gods giving a big middle finger to Stephen A. Smith and Paul Feinbaum, who <laughs> said that even if TCU was undefeated Big 12 champ – I am a Stephen A. Smith fan, by the way. I just want to make sure I put that out there. You are? I am, yeah. I, I, I like him too. He has great NBA stuff, but just I, I don't think he – you know, I, I just don't agree with that, you know, that take, right? So – Fair. Um, I, yeah, I totally agree. Um, but one of but, my fantasy but, football teams is named Stephen A. Smith, twenty twenty four. I love it. I love that. Uh, but but to me, having having TCU win like that, and then having Tennessee lose like that, uh, because that's basically who they're arguing that that Tennessee should get over an in over an undefeated um, TCU. Uh, that was just that was just funny to me, and it gave me a little bit of a silver lining. And I, you know, honestly, I think we're both big TCU fans. I, I hope honestly TCU wins the national championship. It would be great for the sport of college football, and I think it would validate a lot of the Big Twelve Conference and uh, you know everything like that. So I I think if you're a TCU fan, you're feeling pretty good. 
just close out against Iowa State, find a way to win the Big 12 title. And then, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think they can avoid Georgia in the first round and maybe play in Ohio State or Michigan. And um, and, and I think, right, that's, that's a very winnable game for TCU. It is. And it's so funny how these college football rivalries work, right? Especially in a conference like the Big 12 that – that seemingly always is is kind of set aside by the national media and the national college football pundits. It it kind of forces us to rally together. And yes, Baylor and TCU are big rivals. When Baylor is playing TCU, I really want Baylor to win. But I I've found myself growing into a bigger and bigger fan of the other Big 12 teams and the other Texas college football teams just because it first of all it's it's better for the Baylor brand if our rival is doing sure. something big um but bigger it just makes it just makes people respect the region and the conference um the college football in the state of Texas outside of just UT and occasionally A&M it it makes people respect the other programs in that area and it'll it'll I, I would love to see TCU not only make the college football playoff but like you said beat an Ohio State or Michigan in the first round and I mean it would I, I don't think they would beat Georgia but it would be awesome to see them win the I win the national championship. I would not have any disdain in my heart if TCU were to go on and win the national championship. I would I will be rooting for TCU the rest of this college football season. For sure. One hundred percent. So um yeah. Well I, I think I think we'll get to the college football playoff um you know as as the final rankings come out and, and probably be you know after Thanksgiving. There's still a lot to be decided and and I think we'll have you know, a clearer picture because at this point, if we were going to talk about that, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot of hypotheticals. So I think we can spare our audience uh, that discussion for, for the time being. Totally. Let's move on to college basketball. The Baylor men's team had two games this past weekend, bookending the, the Baylor football game against TCU on Friday night, they played Virginia in, in the Las Vegas tournament. They, they lost that game, and then in the third-place game, they played UCLA, who had lost to Matthew Myers' Illinois team, and they beat UCLA a couple hours ago, making sure they, they come out of that tournament with at least one big win on their resume. And they looked pretty good. They looked raw, but they looked very talented. And I think my biggest takeaway from this weekend – Overall, actually, you know, like looking at all of Baylor athletics, but definitely for Baylor basketball is that we have three really good guards, which is kind of reminiscent of the national championship team. Yeah. What were your thoughts on this weekend's games? Yeah, 100%. I think against Virginia, it was a um, it was a 10-minute stretch just after halftime that doomed Baylor. Uh, UVA went on a 30 to five run in the first 10 minutes after halftime uh, and Baylor could uh, not recover from that fully. And, and then against UCLA tonight, a bonafide top 10 team, although they did lose to Illinois, 
Um, I think that's the matchup everybody wanted to see. They just thought that those teams would be playing in the championship title game instead instead of the third place game. But we like it lived up. The game lived up to the hype. It felt like a Final Four type game back and forth. There were thirteen lead changes, and um, again, I think we learned that we're going to live and die by our guards. But we need you know enough complementary assets around those guards to be a true national title contender. I don't, I wouldn't say that Baylor is there yet just on what they've, um, the evidence that they've provided in this season early on. Uh, I wouldn't say that they're there yet, but I do think all the pieces are there and that they can get there. Uh, Keontae George had a very difficult night, four points on, on 20% shooting, um, but it was li- against UCLA, but it was literally, um, uh, LJ Cryer and Adam Flagler, who quite literally outshot UCLA. They combined for 50 of Baylor's 80 points on uh, 51.5% shooting, while UCLA as a team shot 47.5%. Uh, and, and those two guards hit eight of Baylor's 10 threes as well. And they were, they were each four of eight from three, so they're 50% from beyond the arc they just outshot UCLA. I don't even think like you said, you said it perfectly that raw. So I don't even think Baylor is, is fully there. I don't even think they're fully baked yet. Um, and, and they're beating UCLA type thing. Um, another, and just one last point, Keontae George, I think this tournament will be a great learning experience for him. Hopefully he can grow and develop quickly uh, to become the player everybody knows that that he is because he did not have a great uh, he had a great game against Virginia as Baylor tried to you know from a stat perspective but just overall it was not uh, great basketball from him it wasn't great basketball but it, it showed us what he can do he showed us a lot I feel like especially in that Virginia game especially after Absolutely. we went down big we went down 20 points one hundred percent. We're going full on with the full court press, which worked really well. We were able to not only get turnovers, but also just get get Virginia to take time off the shot clock and have less time in the half court offense. They they got broken down a couple times, but overall, Baylor showed a lot of energy. There was no give up on that team, and Keontae George was a big part of that. He 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 showed his heart. And, of course, he showed his talent. We know that Keontae George has talent. He's going to have his ups and downs throughout the course of the season from a, a scoring perspective because he's a freshman. But he showed us that he can be one of the leaders on this team, actually, at least from what the the feeling I got from watching him, just like the little things he did. He was he was calling timeouts. He was – he showed – he just looked like a leader. I don't know how to put it exactly, but he looked like a leader and he's the most talented player on this team. Him, Flagler, and and Cryer, who had the best weekend of any Baylor player, are going to be a lethal combo, lethal three-guard combo this season. And the big boys were not bad either. Today, Oji Anwuna, the forward center from... Australia, he looked good. Loners looked pretty good. 
Leonard has showed heart as well. He 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 showed a lot of physicality in both games. Um, missed a couple easy shots, but I think I think there's a lot of growth that can be had with this team, and they've already showed what they can do. Virginia Virginia is a team that's always going to be physical and hard to hard to beat no matter what. But I saw a lot of heart in Baylor in that game against Virginia. Um, there's one more thing. Oh yeah, do you know? Do you have any idea why Langston Love is not getting much run? No, I I don't. I noticed that too tonight. Um, and and Friday night, some um, that his minutes have severely decreased. Uh, um, I don't know if that's health related or if it's something that they're just you know seeing in practice where the other guys are better. But I I did notice that um, as well. I, I but I don't I don't know why he's not getting as much run. Yeah, fair enough. I I was looking for him like kind of throughout the course of both games and I just didn't see him on the court. I was pretty surprised because I thought he was going to be a pretty big piece of this team. Granted, they have a lot of talented players. And and there's a lot of season left, so we'll, we'll see. Um, I just hope he's, you know, healthy, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Been, been through a lot. One guy I was I was impressed with was was Caleb Lohner. Um you know, I, I think he has maybe found his piece in this Baylor puzzle of, of being just a physical rebounding presence and, you know, working inside type type thing. Um, because I think early on he was maybe trying to shoot a little too much, and I just don't think he's a shooter. You know, there's enough other shooters on this this team. I, I don't think he's um, – you know, I don't, I don't think we need him to be a shooter. You know, we, we need inside force, and – and I think that's that's going to be the same type of role that Jalen Bridges needs to need to play because he did not have a terrific game against UCLA tonight either. Um, it was it was quite literally all the guards um, and, and the, the two guards. So, um, just, Loner just did a, hit a three today, but yeah, I agree. I think that he's going to he. I think he knows his. He did his role. Um, Bridges, do you do you think Bridges? should shoot less or do you think he just needs to find a shot because i feel like bridges was supposed to be one of the scorers on this team yeah definitely i i, I don't know um it's hard to tell anybody on this Baylor team to shoot less but um we'll see I, I i think they just need to i think a lot of the shots are good but we need to we need to make sure that um I think, you know, we're working inside out for those shots. So dribble penetration, dish out, you know, we're getting good looks. A lot of the one-on-one, you know, play, dribbling, create your own shot type thing, those are always going to be there, right? Um, I I think we need to focus on just making sure that the shots that we put up are good shots. Um, And and before anybody says that, you know, one-on-one is fine, like, Flagler and Cryer are two of the few people that can, you know, create their own shot like that. I haven't really seen it from too, too many others. Uh, like, and again, those shots are always hittable and makeable, but they're always going to be there. So, um, you know, I think for some of those other players and for the team to grow, you know, I, I think that's what you're going to want to look for. Baylor fans are going to want to look for just like being more cohesive unit and and take really effective efficient 
shots. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. They've just got to find themselves. There's a lot of new players, a lot of guys who aren't used to playing with each other. So it'll for sure take some time to gel and figure out what the identity of this team is. But everything that we've seen has been good so far, even with the loss to Virginia. I'm I'm very encouraged. I think everybody should be about the performance this this weekend, uh, even with the loss to Virginia, like you said. Very encouraging um, play, and I think this team is definitely for real, and I think it should be scary how much they can continue to potentially grow um, as, as they figure it out. And speaking of figuring it out, the, the women's team, uh, Nikki Collin, her group had – a game against number uh, 19 Maryland that was in, in, in the world, uh, in the Peril center today. Uh, they lost, they fell uh, by five points to the Terps. Um, first, first ranked top 28 non-conference game in the Peril center since, since they hosted UConn in 2018. Um, wow. I didn't know that. What was that? I said, wow, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know it's been that Yeah, long. yeah. Um, so it's been a while since, like, a, a big non-conference opponent came to Waco. You know, uh, we had – you know, we went to – we went to Maryland uh, College Park last year, and then we played Michigan in in Connecticut for the Hall of Fame game. But so it's been uh, – it's, it's and then the UConn – UConn was supposed to come back to Waco, but that game was canceled um, because of COVID, because Mulkey – Kim Mulkey got COVID. Um before that, and, and and the teams I think had had COVID as well, um, so I remember that one being being canceled. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a while, and it was it was a good game. Uh, they defensively, Baylor couldn't couldn't really stop uh, their their main superstar, um, uh, Diamond Miller. She had thirty two points, ten rebounds, and. Uh, Maryland just got uh, a slight advantage in the second half and then was, you know, was able to, to hold that, you know, hold, hold Baylor at arm's length. Um, but really, Caitlin Bickle returned today. She had 10 points. She definitely looked rusty, I thought. Um, but it was good to see her back on the court. Um, and uh, Dariana Littlepage-Bugs, the the freshman, I think she is growing very, very quickly. She had double-double today, 16 points, 12 rebounds against a top-20 opponent. Um, so I, I think that's an encouraging sign piece of the equation that I think Baylor fans should be excited for when they think about women's basketball. And I think there are a bunch of other pieces that fit in really, really well. Um, and I think there are some pieces, you know, Baylor's de dealing with some injuries right now, and they're dealing with some eligibility issues for uh, uh, Dre Edwards, who transferred from from Kentucky. But um, you know, so I think this could be a team where they get healthy and get pieces, you know, as the season back as the season progresses. Um, so they might not be looking great, you know, potentially right now. And I still thought they played really well against Maryland. Um, thought they didn't play as well against SMU uh, in a three-point victory the week before. Um, 
but this team I think could, as they grow and develop and get people back, uh, could, could potentially catch fire at the right time later in the season, instead of running out of gas, like they did last year against South Dakota. Um, and interesting, both Iowa state and Texas who are ranked in the top 10 in women's basketball have already suffered bad non-conference losses and Texas just lost twice this weekend uh, in their tournament that they played. So I think the big 12 is certainly still wide open and, you know, winning a big 12 championship is definitely uh, still on the, on the table. So it'll be interesting to, to watch them as, uh, as they progress and see how they progress as well. Great insight. And wow. Yeah. Texas sits at one and three right now. Um, and one of those losses is to Marquette who's not ranked. So I guess yeah. the big 12 is wide open again. That makes me think it's open. Yep. For sure. All right. Any last thoughts? No, I, I, I think, um, you know, it was, it was a really tough weekend, uh, uh, as a, as a Baylor fan, but, um, you know, there are a lot more games. Fortunately, basketball, there's a lot more games to salvage. and There's a whole actual postseason tournament. Um, but I, I think this TCU loss is going to is gonna stick with us for a while, unfortunately. I had a fun – I had a fun time during the TCU game. I enjoyed watching that game. I, I really did. I did not think that we were going to be that tight with them. So honestly, like I was in shock after the game, but it doesn't sting anymore for me because I've already I already felt like this is a lost season mm. since we've lost we since we lost a few as since uh I guess I mean I guess since last week, but yeah, you were a fan with a better emotional intelligence than than myself. So good <laughs> for. You. I don't know. I think it's just different types of emotional intelligence. But we'll be fine. Baylor will bounce back after this season. Book it. Book it. All right. That's all we've got for you today. That, that was a long podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to all of it. It was a big weekend of Baylor sports. Unfortunately, we were able to cap it off with a big Baylor basketball win over UCLA after the losses we suffered. But, yeah, that's that's all. For us, thanks you for listening. Submit. CBS Sunday after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So 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 okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions and you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.